Well, good morning. Glad you're here this morning. My name is Clay Holcomb. I am the executive director of our Cross Creek Network. And uh, today we're going to jump back into the series, I Choose Us. And today we're going to be looking at joy. Uh, you remember last week, Pastor Craig made it really clear. One of the fundamental principles of this series is our relationships and indeed our life as a result of the choices that we make. And so we're going to jump into uh, looking at how joy becomes the default culture of a life that is filled with the Spirit of God. But before I tell you what, before though I get into the message this morning, I do want to step aside just real quick. I'm the executive director of Cross Creek Network, and that's our uh, church planting initiative around the world. And we actually have one of our church uh, Cross Creek church planters in our midst today. So right back here, Theo Ye. Would you stand up, Theo, and wave to the crowd right here? <clears throat> that's right. Theo is one of our church planters and pastors in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso in West Africa. And so when you hear us talk about Burkina Faso and perhaps I've been to your class recently and talked about the things that we're doing, well, that's one of our guys uh, right there. And so if you get a chance to talk to uh, Theo today, I hope that you'll, I hope that you'll take the time uh, to do that. So, um, you know, we talked about Choosing, uh, choosing us is about choosing the, the, the things in our life that we want our relationships to reflect. And so today we're looking at that, how that looks. What does joy look like in a household, in a life um, that, that, is re that is reflective of the Holy Spirit? And so, you know, when you, everybody in here would want joy uh, and we all understand the idea of making choices, but here's something I want to really, I want to clarify and, and maybe we'll listen for <clears throat> throughout this message today. When we talk about choosing us and we talk about making choices in our lives, it, it, it's not about the big choices, okay? I mean, it's not that it's not the big choices, but remember, choosing us, choosing to follow God, choosing the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and bear fruit like the fruit of the Spirit is, it's a, it's a decision that happens in the minor details of life. It's not about the big picture things. It's not about necessarily the career move uh, or the who you'll marry. Those things are obviously important. But where, those, where you really make the choices, where our definition of our relationships and in fact, the condition of our relationship with God is really defined in the everyday mundane moments of life when nobody's looking, nobody's watching, there's no video roll. It's just everyday life. You're just driving in the car, right? You just woke up for breakfast. You're going to work. It's in those little phases of life that we make the decisions that invite the Holy Spirit to live in us and bear the fruit of joy. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to unpack what would it look like to have a household that joy is what I'm calling is the default culture. Because some of us would be, be willing to say that, like, wow, joy is not the default culture uh, in my home right now. I had a really cool experience a couple of weeks ago. It was myself and uh, John Mark Garner, our worship leader. Um, we were in Montreal and we were visiting with some of our church planters in Montreal and we were at, at, at dinner at, in their home one night. And um, we just sat around the table. You know, Montreal is a French speaking uh, community. And so 
French was the language of, of their home, but they had the chance to teach us uh, some French words and practice their English. And we did it around the dinner table, not at some fancy restaurant, um, not some catered meal, but just in the house with the kids, doing homework, coming in from work, living life, talking about the joys of serving Jesus, talking about the difficulties of serving Jesus, talking about the things that you just go, God, I don't understand why that happens. The hardships on family, enjoying food together, learning French words, teaching English words, just this, just this great, great time that we sat around the table um, with brothers and sisters in Christ and we could talk about the good things, the hard things, the difficult things, the fun things. And then we got up, something really cool happened. We got up at that point and uh, went over into the living room. And like I said, John Mark was with us, who's our, you know, our worship leader and a fantastic musician. And they said, can you just play something on the piano? And so he starts playing. And for the next 20 minutes, we're worshiping there in the living room with just us, a piano. There's no, there's no sound system. There's no you know, acoustics or whatever. The dog is barking. The kids are running up and down the stairs, you know. There's tears in our eyes for the good things, for the difficult things. They're singing in French. We're singing in English. It was joy. It wasn't just the picture-perfect thing. In fact, I tried to record it on my video and it just didn't, on my phone, it didn't look good, okay? It just didn't look good. Didn't sound good, didn't look good. That's not what it was about. It was just this mix of pain, love, mission, suffering, excitement, friendship, joy. You see, joy is a little bit complex. It's a little bit deeper than happiness, right? Happiness is, you know, we go to the Rangers game and they win. I'm happy. That's great. It's awesome, right? Happiness is a, is a great uh, cooked brisket. I love me some brisket. But joy is a little bit deeper than that. Um, a couple months ago, we were leaving our house in, in Portland. We moved here, you know, about eight months ago. And I can remember sitting in the kitchen that last morning. It was a Sunday morning. The house was empty. It didn't look like our house that much anymore. It just set the rooms, you know. All our stuff was gone. It was in a truck. The truck was gone. And I'm, I'm buttoning things up. I'm about to leave the keys in the drawer and walk out the door. And I just got overwhelmed with emotion. <laughs> Because I just stood there in that kitchen and I remembered, I thought, God, here's what you did here. This kitchen is seen, you know, people that have come through that have, we've, we've planted churches with and, and we've cooked meals here that were around, around the fellowship. We had people here around this table and in this place right here who aren't with us anymore, who aren't on this earth anymore, who are in heaven. We had, we had some fierce arguments in this kitchen, amen? Some of you are like, I, I don't, okay, maybe it's just us, okay? Some fierce arguments and, and some, sweet, some sweet forgiveness all in this place. And I was just overwhelmed. And I just, that moment as I was walking out the door, I just said, thank you, God, for what you did in this place. Thank you, God. You see, that's what joy is. It's this deep satisfaction that touches in the deep places of our life that takes pain, that takes mission, that takes glory, that takes suffering, that takes all these things and puts them together and buries them deeply. And when it's aligned with God, we go, yes, God, thank you. It touches those deeper places. And this morning, we're gonna unpack that a little bit. Um, G.K. Chesterton said it like this, this great preacher, philosopher. He said, man is more himself. Man is more man-like 
when joy is the fundamental thing in him and grief the superficial. Melancholy should be an innocent interlude, a tender and fugitive frame of mind. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. Pessimism is at best an emotional half holiday. I love that half holiday. Joy is the uproarious labor by which all things live. Man is more himself, he says, when joy is the fundamental thing in him. I would indeed say that for many people, that joy is that one thing that they're searching for. Joy is that elusive thing that happiness can't provide, that even family can't provide, even relationships, because it doesn't know how to combine pain and difficulty into one thing. And joy is that place when the fruit of God, when the spirit of God is living in our life and bearing fruit in us. Joy is one of those things that happens. And so we're gonna look at today, what would it look like when our homes are full of joy because we're choosing that kind of life. Well, first of all, let's, let's maybe look at um, how, well, let's first of all, let's read Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, it'll be up on the screen as well. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, come to you this morning. I just ask that you would help us to understand what it would look like if the Spirit of God, if your Holy Spirit was dwelling freely in us and bearing the fruit of joy in our homes, what would that look like? And may we aspire to that. May we aspire to having you flow through us so that we might bear that fruit as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, five signs. Let me just go real quick here. This might not be you, but sometimes it helps us to, to say maybe where we are by looking at some, some scenarios. And so we're gonna look at, just real quick, it's not gonna be on the screen, five signs that your home's joy tank might be a little bit low, okay? Some of you are going, I don't have to have any signs. I already know it's not, it's running low. But here's five signs. Uh, I'll just say from my personal experience, again, this might not be you. I'm just gonna speak, I'm gonna speak from the Holcomb family, okay? All right? Number one, uh, five signs that your home joy tank might be running low. Number one, uh, you spend a lot of time coaching the kids on how to talk to grandma and grandpa, okay? That's one thing, right? Some of you are like, I, we don't do that. Are you kidding me? You, you're, you're, you sit down with the kids and you go, okay, now kids, grandma and grandpa coming over here, all right? It was not an argument. It was not a fight. It was just a discussion, okay? So you spend a lot of time uh, coaching the kids on how to talk with grandma and grandpa. Might be a sign the love joy tank is running a little low. Uh, number two, uh, you sense an uptick in the, uh, in the quote, Hey, how y'all doing at the church? Okay, y'all doing okay? You get a lot of that because maybe on the face or maybe what the kids are saying in the Connect Group Bible Studies is uh, getting back to you. A lot of people checking in on you. Uh, number three, uh, here's, here's one that I have a lot of time. You're constantly checking your phone to make sure it's not on, right? Okay, make sure you haven't called somebody that you didn't intend to call. Make sure that you're not recording something you didn't intend to record, right? Make sure you hung up after you got home off of that friend and you're not still hearing the things that you're saying after that, all right? Uh, number four, your favorite room in 
the house is the bathroom. That's another one, all right? And number five, you start swearing even the dog uh, to secrecy. You're going, you just got the dog, you're looking in the corner and you're going, we've sworn our dog to secrecy quite a bit to say you cannot say any of the things that you, that you see in this house. So maybe it's just me, I don't know. None of y'all seem to really resonate too many with those things right there. But uh, I know for me, that's where I'm at. There's a lot of times I've looked at the dog and go, thank goodness that she can't actually speak because she's said some things that I wouldn't want her to say. So what are we talking about when we say joy? What is joy? We said joy was this deep thing. It was a little bit complex. It's not all this other stuff. I mean, joy is a celebration. If you want to go by the definition we're looking at here, joy excuse me, is a celebration in the deepest places of our soul that strengthens our connection to God and to others. It's a it's deep place in our soul that strengthens our connection to God and to others. You might have been through the Grow series here uh, at our church, which is our pathway of disciple making, discipleship. Um, in the second book, the very first memory verse that we use is in Psalm 1611. And it says, you re- Psalm 1611 says, uh, you reveal the path of life to me and in your presence is abundant or some say as fullness of joy. And so what we're talking about is a joy that comes from an experience of God being in his presence that touches us at such a deep level that it makes the difficult things and the enjoyable things make sense. Some of us are struggling today with the difficult things because we have no presence of God in our life. We can't make sense of them. There's no reconciling. There's no understanding because our life is not rooted in God. It is not rooted in the Holy Spirit. There's no joy because there's no understanding. There's no paths of life, as Psalm 16 says, that we're truly experiencing. You see, because when you think about where joy comes from, I can tell you, first of all, where it doesn't come from. First of all, joy does not come from being happy. Happy is great. I love being happy. Amen. Nothing against being happy, but that's not where joy comes from. Number two, joy doesn't come from being comfortable. I certainly like being comfortable, right? Yesterday, I took a, uh, took a nap in the backyard. In the I was comfortable. I loved it. Daughter's got a new hammock back there. It was great. Love being comfortable. But joy doesn't come from being comfortable. Joy doesn't come from being in control. That brings a lot. The older I get, the more I want control. I got to be honest with you. The younger I was, the more I, you know, I was like, hey, we'll just do whatever, right? My kids drive me crazy with that stuff, right? Well, we'll figure it out, dad. I'm going, you won't figure it out. You don't know. (laughs) I love being in control. I love knowing that everybody's in order. I love knowing that my finances are in order. I love knowing where I'm going. I love having the maps on. I love all that kind of great stuff. But joy doesn't come from being in control because everybody, even the control, most controlling people know you're never really in control doesn't come from that. And the fourth thing is joy doesn't come from being liked. For some of us, that's our number one aspiration. We want to be liked so bad, we'll just do whatever it takes. Because if you like me, then I'm okay. But that's not where joy comes from. It doesn't come from being happy, comfortable, in control, or being liked. Joy, as Paul says in chapter 5, Galatians verse 22, joy is an expression of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is something that flows from me and you when we have given our lives to the Holy Spirit of God. So what would that look like? Well, like we said earlier, remember we said earlier that, that um, 
We're not talking about the big decisions. I mean, certainly the big decisions are in there. But you, you, you surrender to the Holy Spirit. You give our lives over. You choose us. I choose us. I choose my family. I choose the Spirit of God in my family every day in the little points of life. The little words of encouragement. The little giving myself over to God's word, the little bitty things that nobody sees, that's where everything happens. And so I want to encourage you today to stop thinking about the pictures that you have up on the wall for a minute. Stop thinking about the big dreams and plans and just think about every single moment. How can I allow God's spirit to flow through me in my home in the next 20 minutes, in the next 15, before work? When I get home after dinner, when I, right when I pull in the garage and I walk, how can God use me in the next five minutes in my house, in my home, in my relationship with my husband, with my wife, with my kids, my daughter, my son? How in those little things is God going to do some great things through me by his Holy Spirit? And what would it mean to have a culture of joy in our home? Because some of us in here this morning, we're saying, it ain't joyful in my house. We're here at church. We got... Bible verses on the wall even. It's not joyful. There's something missing in that place. And it may be that our family, what needs to happen is some people in your family and my family need to experience God in a very, very personal way, in a way that can only come by us allowing God to do something unique, something different. I remember when I was 16 years old, I was 16 years old. I was going through what I thought was a really difficult season in my life at 16. It really wasn't that, but that difficult in retrospect, but it was at the time. And you know what I had? I didn't have a counselor. I didn't have the church. I didn't have any of those things. I had my Bible and I had my four walls in my room and I had the spirit of God. And he did things in my heart in that time. He spoke to me in a way that as a 16 year old, I could understand. He spoke to my pain. He spoke to my desires. He spoke to me in a deep way because why? Because the spirit of God, God was doing something in me and it was being allowed to cultivate. So what would that look like if you cultivated that same kind of spirit within your own home? I want to look at five ways that we cultivate joy in our homes by examining how the Bible describes joy. Because you can, you can do a, a, a Google search or you could do a concordance search of the word joy or rejoice or enjoy in the scriptures. You could probably preach 20 sermons on joy. It's just so much material. There's so much things there because it was such a clear and evident part of what they believed the life of God was about. Joy was something that was supposed to just radiate from everybody. They, you, you would have said that when, they, when, they, when people that saw Jesus, he was just full of joy. He was somebody that people just wanted to be around. There was just something about him, even in the difficult times, something about him. And so what would that look like we're going to just look at several scriptures. We're going to bounce around a little bit, okay? But first of all, I want you to know that some, uh, the first thing is joy comes from worship. Joy comes from worship. Remember the passage we read in the beginning, Psalm 16, 11? It says, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy and at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. So, and then you could look in Psalm chapter 30, verse five is a scripture where, where, where the writer says that weeping might last for the night, but there is joy in the morning. When you look all throughout the Psalms and they're talking about joy and you're thinking about well, what would joy look like in my home? First of all, joy flows from worship. When they're talking about joy, it's something that's coming out of the overflow of their gratitude to God. So question, diagnostic question number one, 
is the goodness of God, is the goodness of God a topic in your home? Is that something that we talk about regularly in our house? How good God has been to us? How much we appreciate who he is? Is that a regular conversation like it's, like it's normal or is it, is it awkward? Does even me saying that sound weird? Like, well, I don't know how we do that. Well, if we don't know how we do that, then maybe worship is not a common practice in our home. And I'm not just talking about singing songs and playing worship music. I love doing that kind of stuff too. I'm talking about a regular spoken verification, regular spoken attribution to what God has been doing in our lives and how good he's been to us. You know what? Our kids need to hear that kind of stuff. They need to hear it. They need to hear the things that, that they don't even understand. They need to hear us attribute the goodness of God to a difficulty we've gone through. They need to know there is a holistic nature of God that brings joy through all of these things. And one of the ways that we, that we see that is through worship. So first question is, joy. well, joy comes from worship. The question is, is that kind of culture regular? Is there a culture of worship in your home? The second place we look in the scripture is joy comes from truth. So joy comes from worship. Joy also comes from truth. All through the Proverbs, they talk about Proverbs 15, 23. It says, a person takes joy in giving and giving an answer and a timely word, how good that is. Later on, it talks about the joy of truth and executing justice. And so all throughout the Proverbs, joy is connected to understanding the truth of God. The wisdom of God is the, is the perpetual expression of joy. Question about truth. Are we in God's word daily? Are you and I in our homes taking the Bible whether it be your book or your iPad, whatever, are we taking the Bible and opening it every day and reading it, writing something, praying something, whatever that may be? I don't know. But is, there, is, is the truth of God's word a steady diet in our home that when people wake up in the morning, they walk in, see you drinking coffee. Is there a Bible next to us? Maybe before you go to bed, I don't know what you prefer. But is it a regular thing for people to walk through our homes and see us sitting at some chair somewhere, some table, some wherever it is, with the Bible open and us listening and consuming the word of God? Because if we're not doing that, then we, we really can't consume the truth of God. We don't really know. And, and furthermore, is it, is it the word of God, the truth of God, that's informing the decisions we have to make because you got to make decisions every day. You've got big things, little things and all that. Is, is, are those decisions being informed and educated by the truth of God's word or is it just our own wisdom? And we keep, you know, God's word in the Bible. That's, that's church stuff. But when we get to this, this is important stuff. I got I to have time to focus on this. Is the word of God a part of the, the, the culture of your home? You see, because joy in the scriptures, joy flows from truth. Joy flows from worship. Joy comes from truth. And if we're talking about establishing a default culture where the Holy Spirit of God is within us and manifesting himself through the fruit of joy, as Paul says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. There's going to be worship. There's going to be truth. The third thing, joy comes from glory. There's going to be glory. This might be the hardest one to maybe 
conceptualize. In Isaiah chapter 56, verses 6 and 7, he's talking about uh, bringing the foreigners who joined themselves to the Lord and ministered him to love uh, in the name of the Lord and to become servants of his. And it says that he will bring them up to his holy mountain and he'll let them to experience him. And as Jesus says later on, he says, let them rejoice in my house of prayer. When Jesus is talking about my, my father's house should be a house of prayer, it's coming from this verse of scripture. And God is saying back in Isaiah, he's saying, look, people that will come to me, if they give themselves to me, I will bring them up on my mountain. I will show them my glory. They'll be able to take in the whole thing. It won't be because of anything that they do and they will rejoice. They're gonna see the awesomeness of who I am and they're gonna love it. Is there any kind of awe or glory that comes out of our homes? Is there anything that we, that we have within our homes that just says, wow, God did that. Or wow, that's just, that's just amazing. That's incredible. Is there any sense of glory, God's glory in our homes where we step back a little bit and, and watch this, we step back and we allow ourselves to get a little bit smaller. We're a little bit smaller and we go, he's so much bigger. This last week I was in Montana, was with uh, Cameron Bundy. Cameron and I were um, interacting with some potential church planting partners in Montana. You know, it's part of our Cross Creek Network strategy to develop some hubs and disciple-making church planting. So we were meeting with some prospective uh, opportunities up there, meaning missionaries. Um, and obviously, Montana is amazing. It's gorgeous. I mean, everybody, you say Montana, we all want to go there, right? Mountains, rivers, it's incredible. And it, it's all of those things. But do you know what? Every one of those church planters we sat down with, we sat down with five, six leaders, every one of them. You know what they told us? With the mountains behind us and the rivers all around and all the beauty, they described how absolutely, desperately broken that culture was from isolation, addiction, abuse, suicidal ideation, everything you could imagine. The darkness was unbelievable. And we walked away from some of the stories that they told us that they're experiencing in their communities. In the presence of this beautiful, glorious mountains, such unbelievable heartbreak and unbelievable opportunity for the gospel and people who are desperate. You can be standing in the midst of the most beautiful places and not see the glory of God and not being experienced, be able to experience it. Question for you and I, are, is, there some, is there some element of us that's stepping back and saying, God, you are a great and awesome and beautiful God. Is there just an, an expression of awe and beauty that comes from us at times? Joy comes from that. Joy comes from that kind of expression. The fourth way that joy comes from, joy comes from suffering. That might not seem like, <laughs> that doesn't fit, does it? Worship, truth, glory. It's like it's just building, 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 building. Suffering. 
But in John chapter 16, verse 20, Jesus is spending his last few moments with his disciples. He's in the upper room and he tells them something very directly. He says, listen, here's what's gonna happen. You are going to weep and you are going to mourn and the world will rejoice. You will be suffering and they will be glad about it. They will think that they are right, but you will become sorrowful but your sorrow will turn to joy. There was a joy that those disciples were only going to get as they pressed through suffering, as they pressed through the mockery of the crowds, as they pressed through the most difficult things that they had ever encountered. Indeed, probably something they did not expect when they followed this wonderful teacher that they met in the Galilee who would change their life. They had no idea that the road would lead to suffering, but that's exactly where it led. And Jesus said, not only will you suffer, everybody else is not gonna even feel sorry for you. They're gonna think that it's great. They're actually gonna rejoice. They're gonna clap. And your sorrow, though, will turn to joy. Are we allowing ourselves? Are we allowing our family? Are we allowing the people that we love to experience any element of the sufferings of Jesus Christ? Or are we so bought into the idea that joy comes from comfort and to control and being liked and we are just so suffering averse that we just can't even imagine how suffering could possibly lead to joy. But that's part of the recipe for joy. That's part of what makes joy work. It's not just happiness. It's taking the pain and giving it meaning and putting it in mission and putting it in community and putting it all together and saying, that's what joy is. That's how we can stand in the face with tears streaming down, mourning our friend and thanking God for the whole thing. That's joy. And that's the kind of thing that many of us are missing and we're looking for. And the truth is, we really can't follow Jesus. We talk about being Jesus followers unless we follow him to where he goes, right? Kind of the idea of a follower. <laughs> if you're following somebody, you're going where they're going. We're not just believers. We're actually supposed to be followers. See, because the last place that joy flows from, joy comes from being on mission. Joy comes from being on mission. I think here's what God's taught me over the years and challenged me with tremendously. So many times I'm looking for, if I don't have a, if, I, if I'm missing something in my life, if the joy is not there, I turn around and I'm looking to kind of reorder my set, my house and figure things out, fix this, fix that. And, and maybe there's some of that that's true. But most of the time, many of the times, what God is calling me to, and I think what maybe God is calling you to, is to understand the joy you're searching for. It's out there. The joy that you and I are searching for is in following Jesus on his mission for your life and mine. The thing that you and I are lacking, perhaps, is not even in the house. It's somewhere out there. It's in a place that you know not of. When you read through all the New Testament, when you read through Paul's letters over and over and over again, 
I won't read you all the verses, but I will just quote you the references. Acts chapter 8, verse 8. Acts chapter 13, verse 51. Acts chapter 15, verse 3. All of these verses are about the joy that Paul experiences from being on mission and seeing God work in the lives of other people. Romans chapter 15, verse 32. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 through 20. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 9. All these scripture references. And there's dozens more, trust me. I just couldn't list them all. Dozens more. Where Paul attributes the joy in his life, not through some devotional reading, not through even a worship experience, but through the fact that he saw God working in the lives of people. And one last verse says this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Watch this. Who for the what? Joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He looked at that shame and said, I don't care about that. There's a joy beyond the shame. There's a joy beyond the pain. There was joy that he had in being about his father's business. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. As Jesus was looking at the cross, he didn't want the cross, but he saw the joy that went beyond the cross. And it was because of the joy of being in step with his father that he said, I will go to the cross and I will endure it. Do you know what else was in that view? You know what else was in the view of that joy and that cross? You. Me. You and me. Us. We are part of the picture of Jesus's joy that took him to the cross. That's you. That's me. That's what it means to have a life full of joy that's because you're on mission, because I'm doing something that matters. I'm stepping into the vision of God. My pain matters because it's in step with him. The, the, the memories that I have, the worship times with friends, the meals with those who are long gone, it means something. It, yeah, I grieve the loss of them, but it goes down deep in my heart and it provides joy because of Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're, 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 a, you're a follower of God, but you would say, man, I, I, oh, there's no joy in my house. Can I just encourage you? Let the Spirit of God fill you. Let the Holy Spirit of God fill you and bear that fruit of joy. It may need to look like for you it's worship, truth, glory, Maybe some suffering needs to happen. And maybe you just need to say, I'm going to be on mission. I don't know where God wants me to go. What I want you to do. I'm going to do it though. I'm going today. For some of you here today, maybe you're not in that space yet. Maybe you, there's, no, there's no joy because the truth of the matter is you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You haven't really understood that he went to the cross for you. And not just because he loved you, because you needed him to. You needed him to pay the price for your sin, just like he paid the price for mine. But he did it for you. And today is the day. Today is the day you need to say, I give my life to you. 
If you would just bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. If you're in here this morning and you would say, man, Clay, I need, to, I, I need that. I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never turned my life over to him. I've never surrendered to him. And this morning I need to do that. I, I, I've never really embraced the fact that he went to the cross for me, not just because he loved me, but because I needed him to. Without him, I would be lost. If that's you and you're here today and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus today, I want you to just raise your hand wherever you are. I'm going to give it to life to him right now. Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, I see that. I see that. You can put your hands down. If you, put, if you pray, if you raise your hand, if that's in your heart, I just want you to join me in this prayer right now. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I know that I'm a sinner. I know you went to the cross for me. Not just because you loved me, but because I'm a sinner and I needed you to. I give my life to you today, Jesus. I surrender myself to your Lordship and I'll follow you the rest of my days in Jesus' name. Amen.